Hey, good early afternoon, everybody. We're doing a different time this week for Vinny G Live. We yeah. have culture to engage with you guys to talk about things that we've heard people in our church wondering about or wanting to know more about. Yeah, that's a big yeah. And so, yeah, so especially Thursdays, kind of it's kind of almost like a long form podcast conversation, even a, a little bit of a class sometimes. And so, um, that's what uh, we're doing today. So that's. Theology and Culture Thursday. We have the computer up here for to interact with you guys in the comments section. So uh, feel free if you have any questions, anything like that, just go ahead and comment there. So um, today's topic, uh, we're actually going to be talking about abortion. So uh, it's something that comes up a lot in church circles. And a lot, if anybody's been part of a church or in any capacity, uh, this topic comes up yeah and there are all sorts of opinions when it comes to abortion even in the church um, and a lot of times the church is seen as kind of uh, this being one of like the primary most important things uh, to us and sometimes it's not but uh, so we thought hey let's have a conversation about abortion let's talk through some things when it comes to abortion how yeah. should we think about abortion and so uh, first, Vince, me and you, when we were talking about this yesterday, you brought up uh, kind of the people we want to address. Who, who are those kind of people that you, we want to address today? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a handful of you out there um, that'll watch this, and, and hopefully other people will tune in later. You know, I, th I think just anytime you get into a conversation around like an issue like this, which, if, let's just be honest, it is a massive issue yeah. in our culture. It, uh, if we're also honest, it, it hasn't. Uh, always and, and usually isn't handled with much care yeah. I don't think when yeah. you get into dialogue and conversation and so what does it look like for us to try and to move into it and address it in a healthy way and in a way that we think is is consistent and faithful but also like uh, consistent and faithful to the person of Jesus who is mm. centered on love and so that being said I think there's there's obviously the the our church would be the primary audience so if you're part of Redemption Flagstaff um, we want to talk about what, what does it mean for us to exist in this space well um, and to have these conversations, these dialogues, to have a, a truly biblical worldview and, and lens on that. Um, but there's also the reality that we're, there's going to be those of you that will tune in that will, um, that will disagree with us, right? That yeah. are going to say, hey, the fact that you're even talking about this, there's already, I think, a reality of their back is up, there's a certain bias and opinion that comes into it that I don't even think is entirely wrong in the yeah. sense of, I think there's this reality that the church has from a distance lobbed stones yeah. at, at, at our friends on I the other side of the aisle. I mean, people that are friends with me and know I'm a Christian think, oh, are you like one of those Planned Parenthood, you right. on Planned Parenthood and have yeah. these kind of signs that say, some of the signs say horrible things, some of the signs say fine things, but right. that's kind of the vision I think sometimes right. people Yeah, get, and so know. I think like there's that moment of, okay, well, if they're addressing this, this is what's naturally yeah. going to be said. And, I want to encourage kind of wherever you're at on the spectrum of, right, uh, and there's different language that even gets used. I understand yeah. the different vernacular. So, you know, it's classically pro-choice, uh, pro-life, but then, right, there's some people say it's pro-abortion, anti-abortion, but then you get into, no, it's it's like anti-woman, there's pro, you know, yeah. pro-woman, pro, all these different ideas. And so you, you really have to navigate through some of the vernacular. Yeah. And, and, and we will speak to, all the say this on the front end, there's a limitation to just... How do we have this conversation in somewhat of a, a decent time frame? Yeah. Um, and, and we're going to say some words that, that maybe aren't 
exactly the way everyone would want them to be said, yeah. but we're just please trying to hear the heart of what we're trying to get to today. And so wherever you're at on, on whatever spectrum, whatever labels you want to put, I just I please would invite you to just be with us the whole time mm -hmm. and, and say like, hey, we're we're gonna address this on a few different levels. We wanna talk to, to Christians in, in multiple different ways. We wanna talk to those uh, who are maybe Christians that disagree with us. We wanna talk to those who are pro-choice that disagree and what that looks like. So in, a, in other words, there's a, a whole gamut of people that we want to yeah. to realize that we acknowledge are, are in the room that will watch this and, and are you know very much invested in this conversation. Yeah, so. totally. Yeah, I mean, a few other kind of thoughts here too is for, like one first thought is this is a, the, the issue of abortion is a deeply emotional and even tough thing to hear about for a lot of women in general. Yeah. And I think sometimes bringing it up, it could feel like, man, the church is just trying to shame me about something in my past or, um, and I, I want, this is, our goal here is not to shame anyone. Uh, one of our goals though is what, what would God's words say about abortion to us? And so yeah. um, if some of those kinds of trigger points of shame and these kinds of things come up for you, one, we apologize, but two, like, no, we believe in the, the gospel of grace. We think that God brings in everyone from all sorts of backgrounds with all sorts of histories and all sorts of pasts. And right. so there is no thing too big for God to, to love and bring in and care for. That being said, there's plenty of things in my past that I feel uh, when, like when we go through certain passages in the scripture where I feel shame about because I'm like, ah, man, I, I did this thing or had like right. have this history. And, yeah. and in those moments, I have to remember that God's forgiveness is, is, is for me too. And yet I can still view those actions in a different light too than maybe when I did those actions. Yeah. So, so yeah. this isn't to shame no, anyone. Um, another thing on, and uh, well, this yeah. thing, real quickly, yeah. just real briefly say to shame anyone on either side, because yeah. there, there will be, uh, I think we will be, uh, even the term critical sounds probably more intense than me, but we will, we will be critical to, to both sides of this debate because yeah. there's totally. much for us all to learn. So no, that's a great point. Um, I think another thing for us as we go into this conversation to think through is, um, this is just a big and a heavy topic for everyone. Uh, mm -hmm. There's, it's a very polarizing and divisive topic in our culture. Um, and for for no matter who you are, no matter what you believe, this is usually some sort of a big and heavy topic. I think a lot of times it gets posed like, well, Christians really care about this. Non-Christians don't really care about this. But even for, for most yeah. non-Christians, this is a big and heavy topic. Absolutely. And, uh, this is a big deal, uh, and this uh, abortions are a big deal. Even if you think they're morally good, like they're they're a big deal. I I remember this is this shows my age a little bit, but Ben Folds Five, he classic, wrote, yeah, classic. Yeah. He he's he wrote a song called Brick, and uh, I listened to some live version of it at some point, and he said, "Hey, I'm not. This isn't a political statement or anything, but this song is about." is the story right. about me driving my girlfriend to go get an abortion after I got her pregnant. Right. And, and it's a heavy song. Heavy song. Super heavy it's song. It's already a heavy song, yeah. but you don't, until you, like when, like when you shared that yeah. with me, I was like, oh my, you go yeah. back and you listen to it, you're like, I feel like in, in really profound ways it does address the emotion. Though. Yeah. Like, dude, this is, this is real. So this is heavy for everybody involved, I right. think. And, and I, I don't, I think there are very few people that would feel it's not a heavy topic. Um, and, and so that's just something for us to realize. It's big, it's heavy. Um, what today will look like is we're gonna first kind of say, okay, biblically, 
what would the Bible say about abortion, human life, the Imago yeah. Dei, these kinds of things. And then we're going to look at some of the pushback and rebuttals to some of those biblical claims. And then we're just going to say, what does it mean for us as Christians to interact uh, with this topic, interact with this reality in our world? And what should we do? What are we called to? How are we supposed to, to handle that? So um, before we get into the biblical reasons, one last thing too, and Vince kind of said some of this, like, let's continue the conversation. I think for some people hearing things like this, or maybe we'll missay things or misspeak or not explain ourselves well, let's continue the conversation instead of kind of just divide more or have even more polarity between us. Like shoot us an email and maybe as uh, things begin to reopen, we can sit down and we can talk and we can talk through this a little bit more. And maybe you can show us some perspectives that, that will help us understand this issue more too. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of that. Let's, let's hop into kind of some biblical reasons why this is an important issue. Uh, I think ground level, the first kind of biblical reason is if this is an important issue is so uh, is the Imago Dei on humanity. So yep. this idea when when you read Genesis one and two, you see that a significant part of God creating humanity is that the image of God is on them, and it gives every single human dignity, yes. worth, value. Jesus in Matthew twenty five, he like reiterates this, and he reiterates it by saying like. Even what you think are the dregs of society, they have the image of God on them. That's right. What you do for them, you're doing for me. And that's like pretty crazy language, but that's what Jesus is saying. And so so when it comes to this issue, the reason why it is such a big deal in the church is because we believe that in the womb, the Imago Dei exists. And we're going to get into biblical reasons why there. But... And so anytime that there, the Imago Dei is marred or injured or hurt or killed, uh, we think there is an injustice. Mm-hmm. We think something is not going according to how God would uh, have shalom be. And shalom being this how things are supposed to be. That's right. And Christians are called to, to be part of that, to be part of bringing shalom, to be part of restoration. And so when it comes to abortion... We believe that the Imago Dei is on the embryo. Even. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, I think that's a lot of times why there's disconnect in this conversation is because people go, this doesn't even matter. It's not the same kind of a thing. And, and we go, no, we, we really think it is yeah. the same kind of thing. We think the Imago Dei, the image of God, is on the embryo even. And so here's some, me and Vince are going to go through a handful of biblical verses and passages that lead us to believe that the Imago Dei is on, the image of God is even on the embryo or often popularized, uh, the clump of cells is often kind of the, the term that's used for them. Not scientifically, but in popular culture, that's kind of the phrase used. So uh, in Genesis 2 right away, when God is forming Adam and making Adam out of the dirt, and right before God even breathes life into Adam, Genesis 2 it refers to Adam as a human, which is just interesting that as God is forming Adam mm-hmm. and, and creating Adam and before Adam even has life in him, right. he, God refers to him as a human. Yep. And a human is somebody that every human is somebody that has the image of God on them. Mm-hmm. So that would be one. And, and, and just uh, if I could just interject yeah, just real please. quick, just on 
when we talk image of God, going back to that Genesis 1, Genesis 2 reality, so when, when God creates human beings in the image of God, it's the only thing he creates in his image. So yeah. animals are not created in the image of that's God. That's a good clarification. So, so there is this, uh, when we start talking to that value stuff, that it is this thing that sets apart humanity yeah. from anything else that God has made. Anything else in our world, that humanity is the pinnacle of his creation yeah. because it is meant to reflect him. That when you look at him, you see the image yeah. of God. And so just that, that delineation, then when you come to Genesis 2, yeah. it's like, no, he's a human. And by yeah. being a human... It, it means these things. So. It comes with, yeah, There's yeah. it's sacred ground. It's sacred vocation. It's sacred identity. Yeah. You know, so that, that, that was given to us. So, um, yeah, that's great. Um, then, so, so God is calling Adam a human before life is breathed into him. I think right. that's important. Uh, Genesis 25 uh, is the story of Rachel and Isaac having Jacob and Esau. Uh, Jacob and Esau are twin brothers. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, what happens is it says in Genesis 25 that Rachel conceives yeah. and then she the, she feels the twins wrestling in her stomach mm -hmm. and she it's so kind of like unnerving that she goes to God in prayer and it's like, God, what is going on here? And God says, you've got two nations raging against one another. Yeah. That's why this is going on. Right. This is like a prophetic moment. I think for you, Rachel, see, these, these guys are going to be pit against one another they're going to start to they're going to be part of two different nations right and i just think th this is a great moment for god to clarify if this is just a clump of cells or what or, or what have you and he's saying no those are even two nations yeah. like not only is it two people it is two nations of people which is just uh interesting i think it just brings more value and dignity and shows us clearly that in the womb god sees something that's happening yeah um the famous verse that's used uh, is Psalm 139. And some people say because the Psalms are poetry, mm -hmm. uh, they are sometimes speaking metaphorically and it's not really true. Right. And there's some truth to that. And yeah. there's instances uh, where that is true. Yeah. But in Psalm 139, it says that God knit me together in my mother's womb. Like he, right. he was doing that. And here's the thing about uh, when you feel like a Psalm is saying something that God doesn't actually do, you're going to have to find a whole bunch of other scripture that would help you understand. Like, say, okay, that was a metaphor and an expression of prayer. Yeah. And when it comes to this, knitting me together in my mother's womb, you can't really find other verses in the Bible that would say, yeah, God doesn't do that. That was just a beautiful poetic thing. Right. Like, you're going to, as you look more and more, you're going to see, no, there, God does form us. In, in the womb. And yeah. so so that would be a reason why we think the Imago Dei is on those in the womb, even at conception. Um, the next that I have uh, is in Luke 1. Um, basically, what we have is the story of Mary visiting her relative Elizabeth. A lot believe they're cousins. Um, they are... Uh, basically, Mary's like... Coming to her to be like, I have some news. I'm going to give birth to the Messiah. And I think before Mary even says anything, Elizabeth, who's pregnant with John the Baptist, who's going to prepare the way for Jesus, yeah. that baby in her womb leaps in her womb yeah. and, and, and a recognition of that the, the Messiah is there. Yeah. It says like he was filled with the Spirit. Right. And, and there's a recognition that... Uh, that that Jesus is in her womb as well, and so it's it's not Elizabeth that realizes it; it's the baby. In yeah, the womb. And I think that filled with the Holy Spirit line is really significant. Yeah, you know, so you know the, the Holy Spirit is not; it does not embody a tree. 
right? Yeah. Uh, which which would be just a clump of cells would be matter. Yeah. Um, so so the spirit of God does not embody those things like the spirit of God embodies humans. Yeah. And so in this moment, he, he embodies this this baby forming in Elizabeth's womb. You know. Yeah. And so yeah, you have that moment. What's what's interesting too is earlier on in in that same kind of interaction uh, when refer when Elizabeth is talking to Mary she calls uh, to Mary and she says like oh I'm so you know she's rejoicing with Mary and she says to Mary like um, I rejoice with you and blessed be you because my Lord is in your womb right oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is this really amazing kind of testimony to her it's again it's there is this person that is inside you this yeah. human being that's inside you and he's the Lord like yeah. and, and we don't have time to get into the language of what it means for her to call yeah. Jesus Lord, but it's just thousands of years of history and yeah. prophecy, all willing in like that that baby that's in you. Again, yeah. not not in, in contradiction to just this random clump of cells that isn't a person until totally. you know a certain point. So yeah, that's my Lord. Yeah, we're, finish us out here. What are some other biblical? Versus you're seeing on. Yeah, it's important. I think if you if you look back at, at the Old Testament law, as you get into uh, the book of Exodus, you have these laws that begin to get kind of put out there in regards to the way that Israel is best to govern themselves. Uh, specifically in Exodus chapter 21, there's a specific law that says that if, if a man hits a woman that is pregnant and it, and it causes the baby to be prematurely born yeah. and the baby is dead, right, from that, that yeah. altercation, um, what is stated there is that that man shall be put to death because yeah. it'll be life for life, right? Yeah. Uh, and the terminology is literally like this human being for this other human being. Yeah. And so just in this understanding of the way God, who we believe understands life better than we do, the way he is so instructing his people to best orchestrate a culture of life and of care for one another is to say, listen, if you harm another, that same harm must befall you. And so what's so interesting with this, this law is there were already laws in the Old Testament law that would prohibit the harm to a woman. So, yeah. so that, and there was already punishment that was associated with that. So this specifically was speaking to harm that would befall a child in the womb. Yeah. And then Christ, God, sorry, God's pronouncement is, if you harm a child in the womb, harm will befall you. Now, yeah. uh, that, that is not an advocacy for Please hear me. That's not advocacy for if this is if someone's had an abortion, they deserve to die. It's trying to point to God views the life in the womb yeah. as a human being, yeah. and that's it's massively important for the discussion, at least for wherever. If you do line up as if you're not a Christian and you have a different worldview than yeah. us, at least to know that, that as Christians we believe God views that as a human being yeah. life, and I think that's so important to this discussion because because it's not. And we'll get more into this, but it isn't we want to take rights away or yeah. we hate the woman or we don't think the woman should have autonomy. It's, yeah. it's we literally believe that God tells us this is another yeah. life and this is a significant part of it. That's the 21. Let me interject there too because yeah. I think a lot of times what, what happens is when we refer to the Old Testament, people will start to say, hey, you're, you're just cherry picking verses then. Like why, don't you, why do you eat bacon? Why do you eat shrimp and all this kind of stuff now? Right. And so I, just quickly, two things to remember in that is one, God was doing a unique thing in history with the people of Israel yeah. in order to bring about his restoration process. And there's more to that, and that could be talked about 
for hours. Mm -hmm. um, but that's just something important to know. And then two, we would we would say, no, actually, we don't throw the law out completely. Right. I, I w even uh, there's different ways to look at these laws and see either how they've been fulfilled in Christ, and Christ has said, hey, this is fulfilled in me, so that's why things are different now. Or we don't know if they've been fulfilled in Christ, and we go, then maybe there is a principle to this law that um, doesn't make sense in like the specific law doesn't make sense in our context anymore But there's a principle from that law that right. does make sense in our context right. So, you know a classic one is it says like don't boil a goat in, in its mother's milk right. We don't know why although that just sounds messed up um, uh, is, <laughs> It really does. Yeah, yeah, it just sounds messed up. So yeah. almost you kind of go that actually makes sense yeah. But we don't know why that's there. We don't have anything like in the New Testament saying, don't do that. But we could go, hey, the principle from this is probably there is a sort of care for creation that we're called to. And we don't have to be as torturous. And so it started going that yeah. rabbit trail. But I think that's important because I think a lot of times people begin to tune out and go, you guys are just cherry picking with the Bible. And we go, no, the, the Bible is different genres and different times. And our understanding of it right. uh, has ha not changed, but it... Christ affects that in Christ. It, yeah. uh, so anyways, but we're, I think it, well in the midst yeah. of that too is I think it's important to realize that even the use of Exodus 21 has we're not trying to look to apply yeah. that law to today. We're bringing the principle. We're just out. learning yeah. that God views the human life. In yeah, them, you know, so it's it's that, that principle doesn't change regardless of the application. Totally. Of the law, so. And I think the laws often do show us God's heart regardless of yes. if we're going right. to do those laws. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Um, uh, some other ones, Job 31, uh, Isaiah 44, uh, a litany of other verses will use the language, uh, I was formed in the womb or yeah. uh, before he formed me in the womb. So it kind of building off that Psalm 139 language, which again, Psalm 139, again, can get uh, somewhat poo-pooed, right? Because it's yeah. po poetic. Yeah. Uh, the prophets in these moments, um, in multiple of the moments where you find this reference, it's not poetic, it's prose. It's, it's them prophesying. It's them literally trying to speak truth to the people of Israel. And so even the language there is very much like, hey, no, we need to, we need to navigate this this way. Um, specifically, there's two. Two of the greatest prophets in Old Testament history, Isaiah and Jeremiah. In Isaiah 49.1, it says, The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named my name. Um, and so you have this moment where, and let me read Jeremiah's as well. Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you or set you apart. And I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And so whilst and, and even before they were born into the world while god was still forming them into who they were becoming right um he had already given them jobs and yeah. already given them callings had a again plan for them. yeah and so again it's again the, from the lens god views the this clump of cells as a human being that he can call he yeah. can give vocation to give you know what i mean all yeah. these give names to Absolutely. that type of idea the last one, um, when you look at Revelation 13 uh, and, and the different texts, Ephesians 1, where you start talking about, no, God foreknew us. He's called us, Revelation 13, that names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life that will be brought into eternity. Yeah. Again, so it's just saying, like, before all this, God knew humanity, you know, and so he foreknew these these people that are human beings, regardless of these other stages. Yeah. So, from a biblical standpoint, like there's, and that's just, and that's a thing, right? That yeah, there's people that will listen to this that aren't Christian that are just going to think that's wrong. Which yeah. okay, that's fair enough. Like yeah. you know, what I mean, we're, this is not a class on the Bible. We'd love to talk to you about that. Yeah. Um, but I just, I want that to be imperatively known that the scriptures tell Christians yeah. that 
like life starts at conception oh. and that what is forming what formed in my wife twice or three times and we had a miscarriage but what formed in your wife three times um were human beings even before they left yeah you know, so and and the, the reason this matters too to like one of the ten commandments is don't don't kill don't kill human and so uh this is just this is fundamental to life right. for humanity this is fundamental to flourishing in the world for humanity and so when we when we see that happening with different things yeah um when we when we see the embryo right life ending we see a human life being killed that's right and that's why it's that serious for us, for us. and that's hard for people to hear and that's hard for people to understand but that that that's what we see and so even you know honestly i've there's been i won't name who but there's been some recent comedians that have touched on this and have even kind of been like, and, and they're, as I'm pretty sure, non-Christian comedians saying, listen, like, they think we're killing somebody. Like, right. I, I get that. We don't think that, but that's what they think. So right. do we want them to not talk about it or yeah. not say it? And so, like, if you are not a Christian and you're listening to this, like, I would just ask for understanding that maybe our, our worldview is totally off and you think everything, like, we're totally off on that, but understand like we are trying to be consistent in our values yeah in this way so um let's all right so people i feel like let's get into some some science some of the pushbacks here those, yeah. those are all a bunch um of reasons uh, why uh, sorry i'm reading some of the comments here is why i'm pausing but um those are all some of the biblical reasons why we think the Imago Dei is on the embryo, on the fertilized egg. Uh, so people then, okay, so kind of to, to finagle out of it, people will go, okay, then when is life in the womb? Yeah. When is it considered to have the Imago Dei? Is it when it can jump and leap like you see in these instances? I think we could already see biblically it seems like the Imago Dei happens before even, like it's, it's God's plan as fertilization is happening. Mm -hmm. But... Um, it is how would you just answer that question? Like, so do you think this embryo, the clump of cells, the moment yeah. of conception? Do you think the Imago Day is there, and part of why? Maybe, it, yeah, just how? Yeah, how absolutely, yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what's interesting is even so, like the terminology, and, and it's not to call you out, but this yeah. the idea of like fertilized egg is yeah. even just a, it's a misnomer. It's a, totally. it's an unhelpful terminology in the sense of. Because what happens, I think, so when, when an egg is fertilized, it ceases to be an egg. Yeah, it's no it longer an egg. Sperm. Exactly. Yeah. So now these two things have become one. You liken it to like, you know, hydrogen and oxygen coming together. Yeah. They don't remain separate. When they, yeah. when they merge in the chemical reaction, it becomes water. We get H2O. And yeah. so it's that same idea that when, when an egg is fertilized by the sperm, it, it's not an egg anymore. Yeah. That something different yeah. has occurred. Something new has been created. That thing that is new is human life. Yeah. And in that, human life is the image of God, right? Yeah. That is the, the, the manufacturing, forming work of God to imprint his nature upon this, again, this not for like this fertilized embryo that is now this new thing, which is which is a human being. So yeah. yeah, no, that's I mean that's helpful. I think that's just helpful for us to know too. So getting into some of the science with it too, scientists aren't really having this debate. If the like a lot of the popular culture says again, clump of cells, and I'm not trying to parody it, but that's just what's when I'm getting conversations with my pro-choice right, right. friends. That's right. how they phrase it. Yeah. Um, 
that that scientists go, no, it's not just a clump of cells. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's you know now some are you know Bill Nye has that famous video kind of saying all this stuff, but you know I'm gonna probably listen to a, a lot more scientists consensus on that yeah. before a popular scientist <laughs> like Bill Nye. So uh, you know there there isn't really much debate if. The, the fertilized egg is a human. And that, that's even why this term embryo is what they use to refer to that because they're like, yeah. this isn't just cells growing and multiplying. This is a human life growing. Mm -hmm. Even I read a paper from Princeton yesterday that this lady did just kind of going through these kind of questions and thoughts about it. And, and she was like, no, it's a human life. Like yeah. this is, it, it, it is a human. Um, before we get into more some of the science of what's happening in those early developmental stages, um, the debate actually really comes on the scientific and on the philosophical levels and then at the law levels. The, yeah. the debate is not if the embryo is a human usually. The debate is, is the embryo a person? And, and if you guys look into this more, what you'll see, that's the debate that, that people at are, that level, at, yeah. that are that they're having at yeah. that level. And, and that's why uh, abortions and things have been legalized in, in, in most countries because they go, yes, okay, the embryo is a human, but it's not a person yet. So first, describe what, what, is, what would they say is the difference between those two things? And then how, what would be like your rebuttal to that? Like why would we yeah. say, actually, we do think the embryo is a human life that is a person with dignity and worth. Yeah, it often gets, this, this argument will get separated into two categories. So there's the ontological argument yeah. and then the functional argument. Now, um, like popularized, like famous scientist Peter Singer is kind of at the front of pushing kind of the functional narrative. Yeah. Our, our claim is that uh, the Imago Dei resting upon humanity, the, the, the inherent dignity of the embryo in the womb, the human in the womb, yeah. is an ontological one. In other words, from from ontology, from like its purpose from the beginning, yeah. kind of spiritual, like this background is God put his image on it, so therefore there's inherent dignity. The The argument that's made by the scientific community now is that ontological is, is who, who cares, right? It can't mm. be proven, like God, yeah. you know, that type of thing. So let's look at the functional argument. And yeah. the functional argument is, what function does this this clump of cells perform? And it doesn't like offer any function or benefit to the world, therefore then it cannot be a person. And so personhood for them is defined through this lens of functionality yeah. and contribution, which f for me is just a, it's it's a fool. It's a, it's a fool's errand when you begin to go down that slippery slope. If if functional becomes the argument, gosh, you know you can just all of a sudden begin to work that out to where that doesn't apply to the baby outside the womb. It doesn't apply to my five-year-old most no. of the time. You know, like yeah. it doesn't apply to certainly the my my cousin right now is in a hospital and paralyzed. You know, like it doesn't apply to her. She has no functional offering to the world. And so should we be green lighted, you yeah. know, to essentially take take her life. And mm -hmm. and so again, that's just from that 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 place of the basis and foundation of the argument is a functional one. Um, which then you just run into all sorts of questions of, okay, if that's true, then you have to begin to break down. Well, this, it doesn't then allow you to have any lines drawn anywhere. And so there was even back in England, I think it was like four or five years ago, there were a couple scientists uh, and sociologists, they were kind of scientists, sociologists that were advocating for infanticide, right? Oh, wow. Like they were saying, hey, you know, like we should... 
what's the difference between, you know, right before they're born and right after they're born? It's the same thing. Yeah. Um, it's just now it's changed its location. And so it's still a burden, right? You still have to take care of it. Can't care for itself on its own. It's not viable on its own, right? It's stage of development. It's not there. All these things are like, hey, let's, we should be able to practice infanticide. Now, wow. that's obviously crazy yeah. right so we're just going to kill a bunch of babies now people in history have done it um and uh but in the but in reality I, hear me i in no way is this like that's a good idea but i i agree with their argument far more than i agree scientifically yeah, like the womb the thing the human in the womb is the same it's the same thing a, in a lot of the in a lot of ways right because yeah. what really changes is the means that you feed them yeah. you know in a lot of ways totally. right so they're being fed through uh through the by the placenta yeah. right through the umbilical cord giving them totally. food the only difference honestly between conception of uh, of an embryo and to death right uh, of that human being from that first moment to the last moment is just a change in food like drink and and air yeah. you know what i mean like what will you provide for them how will they pr have it provided yeah. and how will they breathe you know and, yeah. and everything else is just a it's a question of location well right. you know we don't kill someone because they live a place yeah. we don't like you know that type of idea yeah so what you're trying to point out here is listen the, if 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 you think abortion is okay on some level, then there there are slippery soaps and logical fallacies that come alongside that. If you're going it's to be consistent, yeah, you're gonna have to to be consistent. Yeah. You're gonna have to say things like these guys in Europe or England or wherever it was that right. you were saying. And so, um, yeah, so so yeah, for the Christian, we would say there isn't a de debate between personhood and humanhood as. Right. Uh, we would say that it's one and the same. Yeah. We would say that uh, your dignity is not less if you're not functional. Your dignity is not less if you're not functional on your own. And I think a lot of people, like, it's easy to see that that's true to Jesus and how he operated in the world. Yeah. He saw people that were not functional to society. He started his ministry off essentially saying, hey, I've come for the not functional in society. I've come to help people walk, right, right, help yeah. people see, help people hear, at least. And he didn't phrase it like that because he saw them as having full worth and dignity. Right. And so, and so, and just to to be very clear, like what Anthony's saying, what we're, we're not saying is that Peter Singer and those kind of in the scientific functional argument yeah. camp are saying that we that, that you should be able to kill a human being yeah. outside the womb. Yeah. If they don't usually they make a distinction. Yeah, so they, they, make they usually go, hey, in the womb, okay, out of the womb. Of course, never. Right. And most pro-choice people, same thing. Right. Most. But the, and that's what we're saying is that the issue then arises based on that argument, yeah. that way of thinking, that then you you get into the slippery soap of questions that just are like, hey man, this this isn't consistent. Yeah. This does not fit. Again, age, development, location, um, viability, et cetera, et cetera. Those things can happen literally at various stages of life from from zero to to one hundred and ten yeah. and if there's there cannot be a reason for nine months we give the green light, and for the rest one hundred and nine years and three months we don't yeah so all right no that's I think that's helpful I think that's helpful for us to just know that that's the conversation that's actually happening it's between personhood and humanhood it, that's the right. conversation happening out in society, and Christians would say hey that's we we don't go there. Like we think the humanity. Yeah, but at, at at top levels, I mean, I think yeah. on a, in a real practical way, most of the conversations I'm having 
I'm not getting into a lot of people arguing with me on personhood. They're, yeah. they're still kind of having the conversation totally. around like, you know, some of, well, is it a human being? Is it really life? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's even what we're saying, that the scientific community is like, no, 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 it's a life. Yeah. There, there's no question about that. Human beings can only beget human beings. We don't yeah. create something different. If yeah. you and Jess got together and made a monkey, that would be an issue, right? Yeah. So if you cannot make a monkey, you can't yeah. just make a random clump of cells. You yeah. can only birth and beget what you are. Yeah. You know, so. No, that's helpful. Um, so yeah, all that to say, a lot of times we're having a conversation that those at the higher levels, scientists, those that actually create these laws, they're not having those conversations often are the, are the ones we're having. Um, and then to add some more science to this, I, you know, I, whatever side of this you're on, if you just look at the development of an embryo, just that first eight weeks, yeah, I, it's, it's really hard to see all of these things and not feel like it's, it's, it's a human being. Like, uh, you, you know, as soon as the sperm meets the egg and fertilizes the egg, as soon as that happened, your entire genetic makeup, it's done. Yeah. Everything about you. Everything's there. It's all your DNA, your 46 chromosomes, uh, all that stuff, depending on, um, different brokenness that sometimes comes about. Um, but all your, all your DNA, all your chromosomes, all your genetic makeup, all that stuff it's there at the moment of conception, mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people don't realize that. Uh, uh, some other things here is um, within six to eight weeks, so this is six weeks in, uh, the, the embryo is about an inch big at this point. The embryo has developed nerves. It has developed a heart with a heartbeat that can be detected. Uh, it even has facial features. The neural tube, which is the brain, spinal cord, and other neural tissue and cent uh, of the central nervous system, that has all began to develop. Um, and it's well-formed. It's not even just began, to, it's like a well-formed. All those things are pretty well-formed. Cartilage is actually turning into bone at this point. Mm -hmm. um, so it, six to eight weeks in, you're, you're seeing something that even physically, if you studied it, you'd be like, there is a lot. It, it's beginning to look very human. It's beginning to have a lot of human traits. And the only reason I bring all that up is because, I, you know, I, I, I think sometimes it's important for us to see the image of God on our neighbor. And, and those in the womb have the image of God, whether we want to convince ourselves they do or not. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, I personally, as I scientifically study this, and even there's probably been points in my life where I've wrestled with it a little bit and been like, maybe there, maybe I'm viewing this too heavy-handed as a Christian. As I looked at the science behind it, it's hard for me to be like, yeah, this isn't a human. And, and obviously, I'm not the only one. There's, that's basically the consensus yeah. among <laughs> scientists. So um, here, here, though, I'm going to pose a scenario to you. Because, okay. again, I want to try to give voice to people that would disagree with us. And yeah. often my pro-choice friends will bring up this scenario then. Um, and I'll and just answer it how you would. But they'll say, hey, okay, so if that's true, if a fertilized egg is a human and it, uh, with the Imago Dei, all that stuff, let's say you're in a fertility clinic. The fertility clinic is burning down. You're in this room and you have the choice to save a mini fridge full of fertilized eggs. Oh, there, right. Let's yeah, say yeah, there's yeah. 200 right. fertilized eggs in this right. uh, mini fridge. But then there's a kid a little kid, a five-year-old kid standing next to the mini fridge, who yeah. do you choose to save? Right. 
and, and why? And so as the Christian, how I've answered that often, I'll go, I choose to save the kid. Right. And then my pro-choice friend will usually say, gotcha. Like that shows you, you yeah. don't think about fertilized eggs the same way as you would this kid. Like the, and they're trying to say there is this gut instinct in you right. to save the kid over the frozen fertilized eggs. So you actually do think there's more uh, dignity on the child than there is on uh, the embryo. So yeah. answer that question. Why, why is that a bad scenario? Like, well, how would you even respond to that? Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the first thing I, I think is important, and, and this is not meant to be, um, to, yeah, just say, like, that's a dumb argument. Yeah. But in, in a way, it, it is, in the sense of, like, anytime you, we create a hypothetical, yeah. right, like, it's, it's an appeal to this hypothetical reality. Yeah. It is a terrible argument. Like, uh, one, it might not ever actually happen. And then, I two, mean, if it does happen, it's a super complete outlier of a situation, too. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, at, like, at a massive level. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you, you've, you've, when you have to craft... Right, like yeah. the question in such a way. So that that being said, it's just it's just a bad argument. But yeah. that being said, if you had to answer it, you're going to answer the child, and you have to. We have to navigate again from the biblical perspective what we view about humanity, yeah. right? And so we're looking at this child as 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 far more. Um, not not dignity. It's not a dignity and value totally. question. It's a question of of family. It's a question of their imprint upon the world. Connection. It's a, yeah, yeah, connection. It's an imprint of uh, like I. You'll see that that kid's parents. You know yeah. what I mean? That, that, that is someone's uh, son in that moment, yeah. right? These these embryos, um, which we believe again are human beings. Let's yeah. let's not let's not get confused yeah. here. Um, they're not attached to parents. Yeah. They're not attached. They don't have, um, you know, all of these other attachments to these yeah. different realities of life that yeah. the, the Bible also speaks to in regards to, you know, treat people yeah. this way, you know. And so it's a bad argument. And then, too, there's just, it's not as simple. They're not equal in that sense of their imprint upon the world. Who is going to be affected and hurt by that? Because God loves the parents of that kid, yeah. the friends of that kid, the teachers of that kid as much as yeah. he. Lo- you know, so it's it's just trying to navigate an impossible situation, and you're gonna you're gonna save the kid, and you should, yeah. you know. And, because, um, and again, to be to reiterate what you're saying is, more damage is done in the world by not saving the kid because of the family relations, because of the love that that kid has brought, because all sorts of reasons, really. Yeah. That's what you're saying, well, and right? also, I mean, just the level of uh, even just pain. Like, God hates yeah. pain. Like, he does not want his creation to suffer, to yeah. hurt, to have pain. Um, and, and so even in that moment, like physical pain, yeah. if a bu- building's burning down and there's a five-year-old that's going to experience excruciating pain versus, listen, we'll, we can, we'll admit this, at, an, at the embryo level, it's not experiencing pain. We don't think so. I yeah, guess yeah. we don't fully There's even debate, know that. Yeah, yeah. You know, but at that that initial fertilization, yeah. it hasn't been implanted in the uterus. Yeah. Um, that, that it's okay. No, I'm not going to allow a five year old to burn to death and experience the pain and the brokenness, and then the pain and the brokenness that would be thereof for the family. Yeah, you know, I haven't thought about that. So the pain aspect of it. That's no. yeah. That's interesting so, to about. Yeah, and and to be clear too, like we're not saying that we wouldn't be sad about that fridge of embryos uh, dying. I mean, it gets into a whole other conversation yeah. about 
embryos and fertilization and all these kinds of things like that. I think that question, that scenario turns into a much bigger conversation, right. but that would sadden us as well. Like, Absolutely. it's not like we're saving the kid and just like, oh, just, you Nobody know, a mini fridge burned down. Burn down. Like, yeah. it's like, no, like that's, that's sad too. So right. there's the, and, but in the midst of it, just to speak to all of our hearts, like the, that the goodness and the grace of God that those kids, again, if, if from our worldview, God God knew Isaiah, he knew yeah. Jeremiah, and called them to a vocation, yeah. right? Formed them. He's he's done that for these embryos as well. And so I guarantee you there has been a calling and a vocation for them in, the, in beyond this world, you know? Yeah. So. All right, well, yeah, thanks for answering that. I, I have another pushback for you. This, this is often a pushback from, again, my, my pro-choice friends. They, they say, listen, you Christians, you're not consistent in your pro-life. You're, you just want the kid to be born. That's it. The kid's born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After that, who cares what happens to the kid? Let, they got to fend right. for so themselves. Pro-birth. Pro yeah. Pro-birth pro birth is birth. what they'll say. Yeah, right. pro-birth is, right. is what we are. Uh, and that's kind of like, if you're not going to be consistent, why even do that? Why does this even matter? And I think already there's a lot of what we've said that would say, well, this is why it matters too. But why would you say... Um, that character, like, what, how would you speak to that? If a non-Christian said that, you're just, you know, you're just pro-birth, you guys aren't consistent. Yeah. How would you speak to that? Yeah, two ways. First of all, because you, because uh, I don't want it to be like, you can't be anti-abortion, okay, and uh, and not foster or adopt. You know, like, yeah. it, it, they're not, they're not exclusive. Like, you can have... This opinion right. so, on this you're saying, issue. Sometimes people are like, well, why aren't you adopting any kids then? Yeah, if yeah. you're anti-abortion. And, and they're saying you can't speak into that if that's right. the case. And you're like, yeah. that's, just, that's just, a again, it's a bad argument that no philosopher yeah. of any form of totally. ism is going to try and back. So just even that, you can have those thoughts. Now, here's the, the conviction, though, for Christians is... We shouldn't have those those yeah. those thoughts because our movement is always yeah. love and service and care, like it, for everyone. Totally. So I think um, so. For the friends that often, and that does get brought up a lot for me as well, is usually I'll start off with that. Hey, I understand that, but they're not exclusive. And then second to that is, um, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know, like yeah. uh, and and apologize for the ways that either I personally or the people of God have not been at the forefront yeah. of caring in spaces they should, but but also at the same point yeah. saying we're not doing enough, but we're doing a lot more than you think. Yeah. Right. And so I think there is that aspect, and I want that to be known. There's a reason why it's still what like seventy percent of the hospitals around the world are still run by the Christian Church. You know, yeah. um, there's a reason why. Or have roots in that. The very have roots yeah, in that. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's right. Yeah. yeah, let me be clear. Like not an individual church. <laughs> yeah, they're like what? But, sorry, Who's we're, the pastor of this hospital. <laughs> that's right. Sorry, we're founded by uh, Christian communities. Yeah, I mean, you can just yeah. Saint Jude's. Yeah, all, all these that things. stuff. Like, like what do you see. think that stuff comes yeah. from? Is is been Christian charity and benevolence? You know. Uh, there's there's a reason why all of a sudden you know you have uh, you look across the landscape of uh, the various programs and charities in our world and and one after another you're going to see that Christians are more involved with these things than not. That being said, we're not off the hook because we do a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and I think we're supposed to be doing. And I think we everything. have to be careful and not sound defensive and like, look, we're doing all these things. But yeah, um, so it's it's it's, it's a balance yeah. of being like, you think we're not doing it, dude. That, and I, maybe a part of it is the reason why I feel like the need to bring that up is because we know so many people yeah. 
And I'm like, no, like I, I was just at the house yeah. of this family that just took in these two kids. Totally. And you don't know the difficulty of their life totally. and the sacrifice that they're giving. And I don't want that to go unseen. And so even as Randy's bringing up James 1.27, the Bible commands the church. And we yeah. talk about this all the time at the church. Yeah. And, and if you're not part of the church and just listening, the reality of James 1.27 tells us that, that pure religion, that undefiled religion, undefiled Christianity is to care for orphans and widows in their distress. Yeah. That literally like the movement of God's people is to be to care for children. And so yeah. when we haven't done it, we need to acknowledge it, repent and say, you're right, let's step in. But also I, I do want it to be known there are so many people yeah. that are at, at, at massive levels yeah. doing the work. And I think th that that misconception of, well, the church does nothing, that's just that's also just not accurate. Yeah, I, would, I, yeah, I think uh, something I try to say to my friends that have been burned by people in the church or burned by things like this is I go, hey, look for the real Christians. And I know that I, that's, we have to be careful yeah, yeah, with that. Totally we have to be careful with that because yeah. we're all on different journeys and we're all a mess. And God is sanctifying us all at, at different places and times and rates and all these kinds of things. But yeah. when you, if you look at someone that's really Christ-like and really trying to be Christ-like, you're going to find in their life they are going to be more consistent in, in some of these areas yeah. that it seems like the church as a whole are not uh, being consistent. And so I think that is helpful. Um, and then, again, to have that healthy conviction, I go, you know, maybe I do need to do more as a Christian. Maybe, yeah, and, yeah, and I think part of that, too, I think a very necessary response is... Be because we don't just care for the kid, and, and that's, that's been the issue, is we need, to, we need to move close to the mother, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we need to move close in care and in love and in support. Uh, we need to pay medical bills. We yeah. need to, uh, you know, rally teams around to yeah. help coaching and life and do baby showers for these women, you know? So it's, it isn't this issue of just, well, we only care about the kid. We very much care about the mother and the father yeah. if he's in, in the picture as well and say like, well, how do we love this family well? Yeah. How do we get you guys, not just resource, but training and how do we get you the financial provision you need? So no, I mean like, there, there are massive levels when I hear people bring up that question, I'm like, no, there's, we need to do more. Yeah. Like, we do need to love better. And if you look at the history of the church, there has been, right? There has been this, oh, well, you got pregnant out of wedlock. You know what I mean? Like, you need to keep it, but we're not going to help you because you're, you've sinned. And, yeah. and that's just, just not Jesus. Like yeah. you're saying, that's not, that's not the way of the Christian life. So Yeah. Well, let's, let's hop into a few, like, kind of worldviews of our culture for those that would be in the, in the pro-choice uh, camp, pro-abortion camp, um, what, that things they say, the things they think, and uh, and just talk about it. And we can do, I, I know we've talked about this a bit before, but let's just do every other. I'll start off. Yeah. Um, there's kind of this idea in our culture that kids are a burden, a burden and not a blessing. Hmm. And when you look at scripture and how scripture talks about children, children are always a blessing. Right. Kids being born in the world are always a blessing. And then, you know, again, this shouldn't be the linchpin for why we believe something. But then if you look at how Jesus, te like, takes care of children, loves children, yeah. connects to children, wants to hold children. A lot of even some of those words children translate could mean, like, even, like, infant, toddler type of age, too. Yeah. Jesus loves yeah. kids. And Bring them. Does not. He, in fact, overturns the teaching that they're a burden. He goes, this, no, guys, this is not how this is. You right. know, they're not a burden. And so... Uh, so I think that's just kind of the thing. I, I, sure, kids are a burden in the practical sense of, yeah, 
your life isn't yeah. uh, <laughs> all about you in a sense anymore once you have a kid. But God says they're a blessing no matter what. Even if it's not a blessing for you specifically, yeah. a kid coming into the world is a blessing for the world. So, And God has a plan and a purpose to use that kid to love and care for the world, I think, in a lot of ways. So so that would be kind of the first kind of worldview. Like kids, I, kids are a blessing rather than a burden, even though, yeah, it is burdensome having a kid. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, what's another one? You've um, I, I think culturally there's a, a view of life that is just inaccurate to what God called us to. Yeah. So, you know, it's, and it's chief, it's very predominant uh, here in the West, but certainly across the world of uh, at the forefront of what this life should be is my happiness yeah. and my success, you know. So you get into these issues where you have a young pregnancy and sometimes a older pregnancy where, um, where it's, hey, this is going to, you know what this will do to me. And, I, you know, I'm going to miss out on these opportunities in life and it's not the right time for me because and I don't want to boil those things just down to just the emotion of happiness but just generally that culture of I deserve this type of life yeah. and happiness is a big part of that success is a part of that and the, the opportunity is a part of that and, and and as Christians we'd say that's not that's not guaranteed like that's not something that's not we, the meaning of life either it's just yeah. not it's not the purpose. read Ecclesiastes <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah like, totally yeah. It's not so it's not the purpose for yeah. what we drive at. So again, this worldview that has shaped our culture at such significant levels yeah. that happiness, comfortability, opportunity should be that like the core values of life. God's like, "No, those are those are not it. It's yeah. like to to love people and sacrifice like literally like the movement of Jesus is is not give me more it's give me less that others might flourish we've, we've talked about the death of me might be the life in you type of idea so I think that from a cultural standpoint has, has shaped us in real ways too yeah yeah what's one more um, another one would be kind of this mindset hey a, a bringing this kid into a life of suffering is is worse uh, than no life at all essentially yeah. so yeah and i i can understand that mentality I, I and i even when it comes to parents having kids i think we do have to think through stewardship lens and how we'll be able to steward those kids and love those kids well i think that is really important right. in this conversation but to go to the other extreme and just say hey if this kid's life is full of suffering it, it would be better if they never entered the world and that's just not biblical yeah because i mean just read all of the stories of so many people in the Bible. It, if you wait out the suffering between non-suffering moments, it seems like a, va a lot of the, the people in the Bible had lives full of suffering. Rather, I mean, just think of David, who's you know this great character, great person in the Bible who loves the Lord a lot. If you look at all his life, there's like 18 minutes where it seems like he's catching his breath and things yeah. are playing, you know? Right. And there, it's, right. he has a lot of suffering going on. And surely when it, we wouldn't say God would agree with, well, it'd be better, you know, that David wasn't alive because, yeah. of, because of the suffering. Right. And so, um, so anyways, I would say that suffering is a horrible thing. And God, part, the mission of the Bible is to... Uh, get rid of suffering, among other things. Yeah. Um, get rid of all brokenness, sin, everything that sin affects or changes. And suffering exists because of sin. But um, in the midst of that, God can use suffering to draw us closer to Him. And God is going to, is using suffering to write a beautiful story that one day the resurrection and glory will far, far outweigh those things. And so, right. um, 
if that's our mindset, I think oh, it just can't be our mindset. Yeah, that yeah. a life of suffering is worse than a life. Yeah, and that's and, and with both of those situations, again, you kind of run into that functional argument not adding up in the sense of so like with the happiness matters most. Okay, even if that were true, right? If you really yeah. if you do adopt that worldview, you wouldn't say that any any human being that then in, like impedes or impinges upon your happiness you can kill. Yeah. You know, like you're not allowed to just harm another person totally. because it impedes upon your success, your opportunity, your whatever. Like you don't, we yeah. don't hold that. Like that's the government holds that totally. as a justice of the sword. Um, and then, then the other part of it, life of suffering. Like if you, we cannot just take another's life or harm that person if their life is difficult, yeah. right? Again, so it's this matter of having to navigate like th this really complex issue of wanting to truly lament pain and suffering and brokenness in the yeah. world realize the church needs to be ever present yeah. in that Absolutely. and i think that's been some of the issues I maybe agree, people yeah. haven't seen the church care about be it. as yeah. present in the suffering of people because god does care about it right yeah. it comes at massive levels um and so but it's not saying like because i haven't seen then i then this is the right direction and say no, no no we we need to then turn our eyes and say and we're pastors at a church and so yeah. the church like it, with true sacrifice and love like we need to be at the forefront of like complete like d like take whatever i can to love you and totally. serve you so that suffering isn't even an option like i would love if that argument was able to be shot yeah. down not because it's just intellectually inconsistent but because well they won't suffer because you know what the church is just like we've we've adopted all the kids and they're in wonderful beautiful homes and yeah. this is amazing like that that is the vision for what god is, is called us to so that's good i mean not, not to go on a tangent here too but i think there's something in our culture that i've noticed a dynamic too and maybe it's totally off base so i'll just say it quickly but there's there's this gut level in us that the vast majority of our culture goes hey suicide is is not good right there yeah. uh, like we need to have suicide prevention we need to reach out we need to help people oh, right. yeah but yeah. if really a life of suffering is, is not worth living as then like the consistent value would be like to think differently about suicide but the christian would say no there it is worth living in the midst of uh the imago day in the midst of just what god is doing in our lives and, and the story he's writing and again thinking through all of the ways that Christians need to be redemptively working in those areas. But I, I, I think I've always yeah. found that kind of a funny dynamic yeah, that's that, that we're, our society thinks all these kinds of things. And yet, you know, I don't know, but and I, I still, I need to wrestle with that more too. But mm -hmm. um, what's, what's another kind of thing you hear a lot that yeah. maybe there's some valid points, maybe there's some invalid points. Right. Um, I, I think often, and, and this one is, this one gets brought up a ton. It's this idea of, um, you know, it is the woman's body, so, so it's her choice. And, and I want to say on the front end of, of this one, of um, a, a lot of this, I think, and probably rightfully so, is, is embedded within the reality that women's rights have not been yeah. very much cared for in totally. our world. And a lot of men have determined what they can or can't do in and, history. And throughout history. Yeah. And, and, and even, even today. today yeah. right? like, so, uh, and, and because of that, I think... That has to be at a real heart level a pursuit of that. That's especially part of why this is being said. That's part of yes, it, yeah. and especially then yeah. as as two male pastors talking about this issue yeah, right totally. now, of saying like, hey, I, I want that to be really acknowledged that that like 
rights and freedoms and, yeah. and even not even you weren't even on a legal level just like the way women were allowed to function in society has been impeded by men predominantly throughout history in yeah. different types of ways and it still continues to this day in different ways and so that idea is like no like let let me have this like you guys yeah. have kind of screwed us over for a yeah, long at time least let me have my let body. me have my own body yeah. like it's mine that yeah. type of idea so from that perspective i get it like yeah. i hear i'm like yeah dude and i want to i think the church again needs to be at the forefront yeah. of fighting for women's equality and rights and and as value and and the roles that god is equipping them for to serve and to bless and yeah yeah, yeah. so that being said the issue with this again no one's debate the, the debate for the christian and i maybe that's what we're trying to come from the debate for the christian is not no it's not your body one yes your body no one we think has a right to tell you what to do with your body but the belief of the christian the belief of the scriptures is the body that is inside you the human being that's inside you is not your body yeah. right that it is a separate dna yeah. right so it has its own complete dna structure that is completely different from that of the of the mothers um to the point where uh you can have a, a woman that will give birth to a man right so and that genetic gender code is yeah. there right in the beginning yeah. right and so um that you can have a um uh an embryo that right away its DNA says this is going to be its blood type and it can be different from the mother's. Yeah. So it has all of these autonomous realities that speak to this life is not yours and this body is not yours. It is an entirely separate human, yeah. an entirely separate life. And the scriptures and science would seem to point to that. Um, but at the same time, again, we get the realities of that. Yeah. And so again, the my body, my choices, I want women to have complete autonomy and freedom for their own bodies but we want no human being to have any say over anyone else's body yeah. right um and so in that sense since the scriptures and we believe science says this is a separate body yeah. a separate human um then that choice cannot be yeah. just left to, to anyone individually. No, yeah, that's helpful i think that's yeah. balanced too i think a lot of times christians don't want to enter especially with that phrase Christians don't want to enter into a balanced conversation on that, and not just balanced, but a tr what what is true, you know. So, yeah. so I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, let's transition then. So we've we've talked through biblical reason. We've talked through um, all sorts of stuff at this point. Scientific reasons, uh, rebuttals yeah, to those all, things. Yeah. Worldviews. Yeah. Uh, let's talk. Okay, how now? Uh, do, do Christians involve themselves in this issue? What are we called to? Because some people say, don't talk about it. You know, like, don't even talk about it. Just do your best. You know, some people say, you got to do all kinds of stuff. Um, so what are, what are some of the ways that we can get involved in this? And what are uh, some of the ways we should be getting involved in this? And we'll kind of go back and forth here. I'll just kind of let you start us off. What, what, what are one of those ways? Yeah, uh, and it's something that I'm really thankful that, that our church... Um, has really pressed intentionally into, yeah. and that's just that being very present in the foster care and adoptive and kinship space of being, how do we present with foster families? Um, how are we ushering and, um, and equipping people in our church to have a vision for how they might bring kids into their home or yeah. serve somehow in that space? Um, so, so again, that that issue is, well, they're going to be sent to a group home. They're going to be sent to this life of difficulty, poverty, and pain. It's like, no, no, there, there is this option where if we can come to a young mother that's saying, I, I don't feel like I'm in a place to raise this child, which I can understand that. This is so, you know, so much of those arguments of, well, I'm not ready. 
I don't even debate that in some yeah. ways. Like maybe you're not financially difficult that the church would really arrive in this space in like real power and unity to say, awesome, like we're going to do that. Just a quick story is there's a church I know of out in Mississippi. Still to this day, they have like a hundred person waiting list, you know, of if there is a child in their community that uh, is born from an unwanted pregnancy, like this church has said, we've got families lined up. Do you just let us know? We'll take that kid. We'll wow. love that kid. We'll support that kid. And it's just a thing that's like known in that community, in that state. Oh, well, that church, like they're going to do it. And since then, now other churches around the state have all kind of done the same thing. And so it's just, it, it's that's where we need to be. Yeah, and so I, I love uh, that for our church, but I think the church needs to continue to press it well now. Yeah. Um, another area, the kind of next area that I think the church needs to press into is this, is we need to be in relationship with people uh, that see abortion as their only option. Mm -hmm. Like I, I had a, a guy who uh, has a lot of strange thoughts, but he, he was surprised <laughs> that I had pro-choice friends when I told him I had pro-choice friends. I said, of course I do. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> which was just silly and, but, um, that he thought that. And so uh, the other aspect to this, um, is a lot of abortions happen right below the poverty line or right at the poverty line. Um, and it's hard to not feel that there is classism or some sort of oppression of the poor that, mm -hmm. that is causing abortions to feel like the only option for many of those uh, under the poverty line. And so yeah. we as Christians need to be in actual relationship with, with people really good. below the poverty line or people that uh, see this as their only option or see this as a option. And we yeah. need to get into those kinds of uh, conversations with them. We need to love them well. We need to, we need to just be in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times it see, it feels like Christians fight this from afar, without incarnating, Big without time. getting into their world. Big time. And uh, and we don't we sh we shouldn't do that. We need to be in their lives. We need to have people in our life that are vastly economically different than us in order to um, care for people. In this yeah. way and in this issue. Yeah, I mean, I had a, uh, there's a friend of mine, this is going back years and years, that, that got pregnant, um, had had an abortion before, mm -hmm. and uh, and we we were dating at the time, and she got pregnant again, um, not not by me. Yeah, uh, this was, yeah but... sorry, this was uh, from an, another guy, and so... Um, so she came to me and said, hey, you know, she told me all this stuff happened. And, and so we kind of talked through and she was going to have another abortion. Yeah. And um, and we just talked and I prayed for her and, and things like that. This is even kind of when I was like still navigating Christianity myself. Yeah. And, uh, and, and she chose to keep the baby. Oh, wow. She reunited with the father. Yeah. And they're now married. And But oh, wow. every, every day on her birthday, uh, I get a phone call from... From this little girl, wow. you know, and uh, and and that, it's not as a, like I did something great, but in the sense of if we're I didn't there. have if I didn't have that relationship, yeah. if we're not moving into these places, uh, then we're, we're missing yeah. an opportunity to talk to real real people with real fears uh, in ways I can care. So, um, yeah. talk about the next thing, Vince. It kind of relates to even what Taylor's saying. Is is there a way to help pay for? obscene oh, or yeah. expensive medical bills for prenatal hospital etc so our next yeah. point of how we can get involved yeah. in this world go ahead yeah financially yeah. you know so there's there are great things to give to if yeah. you if you have uh funds which again we're americans so we do yeah. um and so 
there are places to give. I think to organizations like AZ-127 and the work they're doing, the foster care and adoptive space, foster care initiatives down the valley are do, is doing amazing yeah. work, um, funding some of the care portal needs that, are, again, is a task to foster care adoption. But when you get into medical bills, there's a couple ends of that. There is, there is if you can, um, there are different organizations that partner with hospitals that will pay off, you can pay off medical yeah. bills. Um, I don't know how much you can specify. I don't know how that works for them, but I know you can do that. But a, but a really great option is to give towards organizations like like Hope uh, Hope Pregnancy Center here yeah. in Flagstaff. It's located in the south side by uh, Guadalupe, um, the old Guadalupe Catholic Church. Um, they do awesome work here in town. We're really thankful for them. Crisis Pregnancy Centers across really the country. There's yeah. a ton of them. And they provide all those services. They provide for free. all yeah. the services for free. Yeah. Like it's, and, and you know, and I think that's one of the things when you get into some of this is, you know, this is the only option because where else would I go? And, yeah. and, and again, there's there are many, 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 many organizations that are that are there for young women. And if you're even on watching this or know a friend that's watching this like and, and don't know who those are, like please contact us. Yeah. We would love to, to give you a handful of resources, resource you ourselves. But again, Tails, to answer your question, yes, um, I would really do some investigation specifically on Hope Pregnancy Center here yeah. in town. We're really thankful for what they do. I know so. that I've known people specifically that have been blessed by blessed going by there. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, there's really all sorts of, having grown up in the church and this has always been at the forefront uh, in my lifetime of the church trying to combat against it. I feel like every year I hear about another organization that is doing not just work in this area, but really good work really good in this work. area. So I, I think with a Google search or two, you could find some stuff pretty easily. Um, the next thing is, and, uh, for time's sake, I'll, I'll, I'll be a little short with this one in particular, but I, we need to get into conversations with people that are pro-choice. And we need to understand their views and we need to understand their perspectives and we need to validate where parts of their perspectives are accurate or true. And kind of how you were going with the my body, my choice stuff. I think they're, that, that to love them well, they need to see that we're loving our neighbor in the wholest sense that we can. Now we don't have to yeah. change our minds or say something contrary to scripture, right. don't do that. But where scripture affirms, we affirm. And so- And that uh, affirms love. Yeah. And that, Massively, yeah. yeah. And so I think, you know, there's all sorts of ways we can deal with this, but if we can convince our neighbor that one, we're loving them, and then two, that the neighbor in the womb needs to be loved as well and has the Imago Day on them, uh, things will change. And so yeah, I, I've had conversations with non-Christian friends that went like, that moved a bit because they started to go, this is different than I, you know, like I'm not thinking through this fully. And it wasn't because I was like, here's all the facts, you know? It was yeah. like, it, it was because it was a loving dialogue with a friend. Right. And, uh, and I was even open to what they were saying and trying to hear what they were saying and understand what they are saying, even though I, I feel even pretty set on a lot of the things I believe when it comes to this area. And so, so Christians, we, we, we just have to get into the conversations yes, with we do. people that are pro-choice and contend for that tonight, yeah, because even in the same way that I think there is that initial view of the way pro-life people view this situation is, yeah. well, you just and, and insert whatever things yeah. it is, and and we would say those are not true. Yeah, and it's equally, I mean, not equally, but I, I don't know why you can't quantify is what I'm saying. Yeah. True for our pro-choice friends, a lot of them, you know, like are good people. Yeah, you know, totally. like they're not evil. 
no one's evil. Yeah. It, well, there are well, evil yeah. people. Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's evil. <laughs> everyone's evil. Everyone's evil. Everyone's yeah. equally just as evil and in need of a savior. And so yeah. I think just that that removal, that demonization of it is really helpful. No, so, totally. Um, a couple last ones, I think. Um, there is a reality to... Um, this is an issue that most of the world would say they know where the church lines up on. We are, are pro-life, if yeah. you use the vernacular, right? Um, however, there there is a there is a growing, albeit not not it's not a large group, but there is a growing group of young Christians predominantly that have moved over to the pro-choice camp. And from my conversations with many of them, a lot of it revolves around loving a woman caring for a woman well, serving them. Um, some of the same arguments, which again are not, they're not bad arguments. They're just, don't, don't, they're not exclusive. Again, yeah. like we need to then respond in love. And so just There's to- There's not one way to love people. So, like sometimes yeah, 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 that's in our society, saying. we're like, this, this is the only way you can love this woman. And that's not what Jesus ever has for us. Yes. Even watch how he that's interacts with perfect. Mary and Martha at the tomb of Lazarus. Yeah. Completely different. Yeah. So- yeah, so I, I think just in the midst of that, it's just trying to say to, to those of you that might be in that camp that, that are Christians, that love Jesus, we really invite you to, to rethink your position on this too. Yeah. Like we need to truly sit in the grief of the astounding statistics. You know, yeah. just look, I mean, if you look at the Guttmacher Institute, it, it's dropped. It used to be well over a million a year here in America. It's dropped to, I think the last official stats were from like 2015 and it was 972,000 uh, abortions. And it's gone down a little bit every year, which we celebrate and we encourage. And there's all sorts of things that are beneficial in the midst of that sex education, uh, right use of, of um, protection and things no. like that and sexual intercourse. Those things are all things we should honestly, you know what I mean? Like really have better conversations around as yeah, well. I agree, yeah. But that being said, if that's where you're at, please hear that as well today. Yeah. God very, very much cares for this issue and it can easily get pushed to the back and not something yeah. I think we talk about enough nor care enough about. Um, and, let that not be us, yeah. you know. I so, think a lot of yeah. it's all it spans all generations. This trend you're talking about, but a lot of the younger Christians will care about a lot of the other issues in the in the Bible that are clear. Yeah. Um, but then when it comes to the abor abortion issue, we're like, hey, I don't know. It's too about messy. That. So, it feels like a little bit sometimes. And that's but, another sort of cherry picking. It's another sort of going, hey, I'm only going to care about the issues that things. society is okay with me caring about, and. And oh, that's so, a great way to put it. Yeah, and I, I think young young Christians, especially, we we need to care about this issue more. Like it, it is an issue. It's something to think about. It's something to be part of. So, yeah, yeah. Um, well, here's here's the final kind of thing, and I'm sure there's more things in this, but a final way that we can be part of God's restoration and working in this, and 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 it's this. It's it's it is consider what to do politically and with your vote um, as as someone that is against abortion. And so I think that probably could easily just sound like I'm saying one thing here and only vote one way or do this. And yeah. I'm not saying that. No. But but what I am saying is politically we do have influence as Christians. Politically we can engage and politically we can do things. Um, and we should look to do those things. I think some of the 
<laughs> in the church, it feels like there's a polarity to it doesn't matter at all what I do politically. And if I'm honest, I lean that way, <laughs> uh, feels that way a lot of times. Yeah. And then on the other side of it, it's that's all that matters. That's the primary way to get things done yeah. in this arena of abortion. And neither neither are right. right. And so Christians on my side, we have to realize that we need to steward that and think through that uh, issue when we vote and think through things. And I don't, I don't know if we give it enough thought or care about it enough uh, a lot of times. And then Christians on the other side, I think if I can be lovingly prophetic, if this is prophetic, we can't use voting as a, as a cop-out, as this is the main way I'm fighting against this issue, this is the main way, the only way that I'm going to deal with this issue when um, a vote isn't always uh, tangibly loving your neighbor. Well, it, it misses a bit of the incarnational aspect yeah. of Jesus. Totally, yeah. A vote does love our neighbor, but yeah, it, we miss the incarnation when all we do is vote, when all we do is stand far off and cast stones, so to speak. And so, so what we do politically and how we vote, we have to consider this issue. We have to think through it. And, so, and please, don't put words in my mouth right now. I'm obviously purposely not saying certain things in this. Well, but. I think it's and just when we say consider this issue... We're, we're saying consider everything we just talked about. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like consider all of the ways the church needs to be responding. Consider the mother. Consider the father. Consider the resources around totally. them. Consider poverty. Consider, totally. and then consider certainly the act of totally. abortion. Um, and so I think that's what, what yeah. it is driving at is when you can cons like consider this issue holistically yeah. through a vision of the biblical call for us to love and to care for and to serve, yeah. especially the vulnerable. Yeah. So. so we should, for some of us, we need to add it to our considerations. And then for some of us, uh, we need to realize that maybe there are some things we need to think more deeply about in regards to that and things we should actually be doing and incarnating in this area. So. So, yeah, that's kind of my yeah. point. Because well, this issue always becomes a, only a political issue. And, and yeah, and please, that's... that's it shouldn't yeah, only be that. Yeah. But for us, I think a lot of younger Christians, we go, I don't want it to be a political issue at all. And it's like, no, but it is. No, it is. Yeah, like it, yeah. it's something we're going to have to steward and think through and, yeah. and walk through. So I'll say this as we're, as we're kind of wrapping up and yeah. landing it, just in the sense of like, this is a, obviously a very difficult conversation. Totally. We understand it's one-sided. Yeah. Um, we would love for, for people to dialogue with us and communicate with us for this, if there's friends that are wrestling through this issue, for this to be shared, but then that that would be a start of a conversation and dialogue. Um, but really, at, at our deep heart level, it's this massive... Like we, we believe at real levels that the Bible calls us as Christians and as, mm -hmm. as, as the church to care for the vulnerable and to be a voice for the voiceless. Um, there... There is not a more voiceless community and group of people than yeah. the unborn. I mean, Seems literally so, without yeah. a voice. Yeah. And so, the church must be a voice for that community, for yeah. these, for these children. It is our duty, our responsibility as Christians, yeah. um, just as much as we need to be a voice for all these, these other, other things, all these that other we things care as well. Yeah. And so, allow that really to be this lens. How can I be a voice for the oppressed? A voice for the voiceless. A voice for those who are hurting, broken and in pain and be like Jesus and move towards them in love. Yeah. And hopefully this was an opportunity to do that in a balance. Hopefully, I mean, like if you know us, 
I think you'll you you know where all this is coming from. The place yeah. of love and grace. Um, but again, like that that is our desire in the midst of it. So yeah. I don't know if you say anything else. No, I don't. I think thanks for listening. Thanks for being involved in the conversation with us and. Especially those that, if you're listening and you totally disagree with us, thank you for listening to us and giving us the time of day even to consider our words or even just hear them. And so thank you for doing that. And uh, if you guys have any questions, feel free to email us or shoot us a text or a message here on Facebook. And, and maybe at some point we can continue this dialogue and talk more about it. Maybe there's some things we didn't consider. Again, it's a big conversation, so there's certainly things we missed. But thank you guys, and we'll see you on Tuesday for the next update and on Sunday for church.